today we're going to continue the series on being led by the Spirit of God. And what we have looked at in the previous teaching, just to bring us up to speed, is we looked at God's leading and guidance of the saints under the new covenant through the ministry gift of the prophet. And we saw that, in fact, God does guide his saints under the new covenant through the ministry gift of the prophet, but that there is a, a difference in the way God actually does that, in that under the old covenant, the saints were required to go to the prophet to get guidance from the Lord. Under the new covenant, that's not the case at all. We're required to uh, go to God to get our guidance because God the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And the scripture is very plain that for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are his children. And so that's the primary way that God leads us. And so we had a look at um, a scriptural account in the book of Acts of how the Apostle Paul was led through the prophet's ministry. And we saw very clearly that the Apostle Paul had received guidance from the Holy Spirit directly and the, he knew what it was that God wanted him to do. And then when Paul had encounters with the prophetic ministry in this area of guidance, all that happened was that the prophet confirmed to the Apostle Paul what he already knew on the inside. And we saw how it is possible under the New Covenant for prophets to actually get it wrong. For we saw that the prophets in the city of Tyre um, prophesied incorrectly into Paul's life. And had Paul listened to that, Paul would have gotten out of the Lord's perfect will for his life. And so we said that the reason that the prophet under the New and the Old Covenant are, are kind of very different in this area is that the prophet under the Old Covenant heard the audible voice of God. You would recall that Samuel, um, in fact, in, in Scripture, Samuel is the first one who is referred to as a prophet. Prior to Samuel, uh, all the prophets were called seers. But uh, in Samuel's case, when he was still a young lad, basically, and he was growing up um, serving the Lord, when God first spoke to him, uh, and he, didn't, he wasn't yet... Um, Ophay with the word of the Lord coming to him, he thought that it was Eli who had spoken to him because it was audible voice. It woke him up and he went to go to Eli and said, look, what do you want? You just called me. And uh, eventually Eli taught him, no, it's actually God who's speaking to you. So it just gives us an indication very clearly that the prophet under the old covenant heard the audible voice of God. And so they couldn't get it wrong when they gave guidance to the saints because they just repeated what God had said. But under the New Covenant, this, the prophet doesn't hear the, the audible voice of God. Then the prophet hears on the inside of them uh, the still small voice, or they just perceive in their spirits what God the Holy Spirit is saying, and then they will then uh, share that. But as we saw, the prophets in the city of Tyre got it wrong, and uh, that is why it is so essential under the New Covenant for the saint to actually be led of their spirit and if and when God chooses to send his prophets across our path to confirm that which he's already spoken into our lives, well then that's just an added blessing that the Lord um, brings upon us. And also we saw that quite often when God does speak into our life through the prophetic ministry, um, it's because we're in for, you know, there's going to be a bit of uh, testing and trial coming our way. And so God just wants to reassure us that we actually are in his perfect will. And so that brings us up to speed with what I want to touch on today. The subject I want to deal with today is being led through dreams. And um, we will see in New Testament accounts of dreams and just how uh, it is that God actually does lead his saints under the new covenant also through this avenue of dreams. Now dreams was also <coughs> an avenue that was available to the saints under the old covenant. You will recall that the Saul, the king Saul, when uh, the Philistines were coming against him and he wanted to know what to do at that time, <coughs> excuse me, Samuel was no longer alive and um, <coughs> the prophets weren't speaking into Saul's life. In fact, God wasn't speaking into Saul's life any longer. Uh, he, he, in desperation, goes to a medium to raise Samuel from the dead so that uh, Samuel can give him guidance. And when he uh, raises Samuel, uh, he mentions to Samuel that he's been seeking the Lord's counsel, but the Lord hasn't answered him either through the ephod or through the prophet or through dreams. And so the, under the old covenant, God definitely spoke to P 
people through dreams. Solomon had two dreams. The Lord appeared to him twice in dreams. Jacob had dreams. Uh, Joseph had dreams. And so it was very common under the Old Covenant for the Lord to speak to his saints through dreams. Now that avenue hasn't changed between the two covenants. God still speaks to his saints through dreams. But dreams are not as frequent as we uh, would like them to be. Um, but let's just have a look at what the scripture does say on the subject. And we can pick it up in the first account. is in Acts chapter 2 verse 17. Scripture says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And so very clearly that is um, Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching and he quotes the prophet Joel. And he says to the uh, Jews in Jerusalem, this is that which Joel prophesied about. And so very clearly this passage of scripture pertains to the church age. And we are in the last days. And it's under the church age that God has said that he will pour out his spirit in all flesh, which has happened, obviously. The church is, um, all of us partake of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and then your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So prophesying is part of the uh, dispensation that we're under at this time. Your young men shall see visions. So visions is also a part of the dispensation of the church age. And then he goes on to say, your old men shall dream dreams. And so dreams are definitely um, one of the mechanisms that the Lord uses under the New Covenant to guide His saints. But it's not um, the primary way. All of these other methods that we're going to be looking at to be led on the Lord are all um, secondary to the primary method that the Lord uses, which is the leading and the guidance of our spirits. And so God uses these other methods, but he doesn't use them all the time. And so we must just be aware that God does use these other methods, how he uses them and how we can be responsive to them. But we must not look for guidance through these methods because these methods are not the primary way that God leads his saints under the new covenant. I trust you understand that. Um, just to clarify what a, the status of a dream because he talks about two aspects of guidance or in fact three aspects of guidance in this passage of scripture where he speaks about prophecy he speaks about visions and he speaks about dreams now a dream is in fact a vision and a vision is um, a divinely granted uh, uh, appearance well that appearance is not the right term but God allows the individual to see into the spirit realm. That is what a vision is all about. And so with regards to a dream, the exact same thing is happening. God allows the individual to see into the spirit realm. Because when we sleep at night, when we close our eyes and we, and we fall asleep, uh, it is the physical body and the mind of the believer that in fact rests. The spirit never does. The spirit of the believer doesn't need to sleep. Uh, the spirit of the believer is fully awake all the time. And so what happens when an individual uh, falls asleep at night and God gives them a dream, what is in fact happening is that their spirit, God is allowing to see into the realm of the spirit and thus see a, a spiritual vision. Now, a dream is equated to a spiritual vision. In, in, in visions, there are three main types of visions that, that uh, um, are shown to us in Scripture. There is a spiritual vision. There is then a vision of one falling into a trance. And then there is what we call an open vision. Now, a spiritual vision occurs when one is allowed by God to see into the realm of the spirit by their spirit, with the eyes of their spirit. And we'll elaborate a little bit more now. And the other vision, the second level of vision is a trance. Now, when a person falls into a trance, their physical senses are suspended and they have no knowledge of physical surroundings. And God, again, just lets them see into the realm of the spirit. But they see into the realm of the spirit with their eyes open. So it's not a case of their eyes are closed as in a dream. And then an open vision is the other way around. What happens is 
that the spirit realm comes in to the physical realm that the person is, is uh, walking around in at that time. Um, on the trance side, just think about uh, Apostle Peter. He was on the rooftop praying and he fell into a trance and the Lord showed him the vision of the sheet coming down from heaven. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he was in the temple, he was praying. He fell into a trance and he saw the Lord Jesus speaking to him. And so those are two accounts of trances. With regards to an open vision, you can, we know the account of the disciples were in the uh, room. The doors were locked and our Lord Jesus appeared in front of them and spoke to them and, and he, made, he made them touch him and handle him. He ate in their presence. That was an open vision. That is the spirit realm coming into the physical realm. So those are the three different types of visions. Now a spiritual vision is the lowest type. Now that type of vision is when the eyes of the individual is, are physically shut. And so they can't see anything naturally. Um, but God then allows them to see into the spirit realm with their spirits. And that is what a spiritual vision is. Now a dream is on exactly the same level as a spiritual vision. Because in a dream what happens is that our physical eyes are shut. Um, and God allows us with our spiritual eyes to see into the realm of the spirit. And so that is what a spiritual vision is. Um, and so that's uh, the dream and a spiritual vision are on the same level. Just a, an example of a spiritual vision in scripture is in Acts chapter 9 verse 8. The scripture says, Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. This is, this is a, the account of when our Lord Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus when he was born again. Now in that instance, because of the, 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 the glory of the light that shone around him, Paul's natural reaction was to close his eyes because you know, that light was just that bright. And when he did, he saw into the spirit realm. So he had a spiritual vision at that time. And the scripture is plain, at the end of the vision, he opened his eyes and then he couldn't see anymore because God had put those scales over his eyes. And so that's the, the, the context of what a dream is all about under the new covenant. Now, just as visions are not frequent in the life of the believer, so it is that dreams are also not frequent. When I say dreams are not frequent, I'm talking about dreams from the Lord. Because again, we need to understand what a dream from the Lord is. A dream from the Lord is when God opens the spiritual eyes of the believer while they're sleeping and allows them to see into the realm of the spirit. So let's go back to visions now. Visions are very infrequent. The Apostle Paul seemed to have in Scripture the most uh, frequent accounts of having visions that we that are recorded for us in Scripture. And I think in total... He, he saw the Lord, because in all of his visions, he saw the Lord. Um, Peter didn't only see the Lord, the, the sheep coming down from heaven. Uh, Peter saw the sheep, he didn't see the Lord. He heard the Lord's voice, but he didn't see the Lord. But in Paul's case, um, it's even the two accounts where he goes up to the third heaven and when he goes into paradise, uh, it's strongly implied that he saw the Lord. And so in all Paul's instances of having visions, um, there's, I think, seven accounts in total. I might be getting it wrong by one or two. But over Paul's whole ministry period, um, which spanned a roughly about a 40-year period, maybe a bit longer than that, um, in that time, Paul had eight visions. Now, of the visions that he had, two of them were dreams, and we'll have a look at that now as well. And so the point that I wanted to raise here from that comment that I'm making is that visions are very infrequent in the life of the believer and in fact most believers never have a vision from God it is only certain individuals that have received the gift of discerning of spirits that God allows them to see into the spirit realm for that is what the gift of the of discerning of spirits is it is the ability that God imparts to the individual to be able to see into the realm of spirits and so that I just need to put a groundwork across from the point of view of just how infrequent visions are. Now, just as visions are infrequent in the lives of believers, so dreams are also. 
dreams from the Lord I'm speaking about, we'll get into more scripture along this line, are also very infrequent. They're not a frequent occurrence. So it's not a case of every night we go to bed and we, we, we dream, God gives us a dream and we can then follow after his guidance. No, we're, sometimes you will have a, a season of dreams and then for two, three years you'll have no dreams from the Lord. Then the Lord will, uh, by his grace, give a dream again. And that's, again, getting back to Paul, over 40 years of ministry, he sees the Lord uh, seven times. So it kind of gives you the, the, the degree of frequency that we can expect um, dreams and visions from the Lord. And so um, just to kind of give us scriptural um, backing as to the comment that I've made, that dreams from God are very infrequent, uh, dreams, on the other hand, are very frequent. Um, most people dream, in fact, everybody dreams every night. Now, not everybody remembers their dreams the following morning, but a lot of people do. They wake up and they, they, their dreams are quite vivid and they remember their dreams. Um, some are even woken up at night with their dreams. Um, and so, if everybody does dream but not everybody receives a dream from the Lord. And even those who do receive dreams from the Lord get dreams from the Lord very infrequently. So let's just have a look at some scripture to just put into context the fact that dreams are natural. It's a natural part of the way God has designed us. What happens is when we go to sleep at night, our brain has to now kind of sift through everything that we've encountered during the day and it has to put it all, all the memories into the memory banks in the right places and all that kind of stuff. And so that's really what dreaming is all about. The brain is busy putting things together and uh, allocating memories and doing connections. Uh, you know, there's all people who studied the physical side of dreams that understand what goes on. But that's really, and so that's how God has designed us to operate. But now all of that those dreams are just our brain sorting things out, sorting what it's taken in uh, into its memory banks during the day and trying to work out how to uh, place them into the, into the various um, storage areas that we have in our brains. So one of the scriptures we can look at is in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3. And again, we're just now looking at what the Bible says about normal dreams. These are the normal dreams that all of us have. This is not dreams from the Lord. The scripture says, for a dream comes through much activity. And so what we see is that when we lead a very active lifestyle, and I'm not talking about physical activity, I'm talking more mental activity, but the physical activity is obviously part of it as well. Because we encounter so much during our day, our brains need to sort this whole thing out at night. And so when we lie down to sleep at night, now the brain starts working and starts putting all of these um, memories into the right memory banks, etc., etc. And so that's what the Bible teaches us, that if we live an active lifestyle, we will dream, and we will most probably dream quite a lot. And that's people who are very active in, their, in what they do, I'm talking about mentally active in what they do, they very often find they wake up and they remember, you know, all these weird dreams because some of the dreams are very strange and then we get another scripture that talks uh, that tells us about natural dreams that all of us have Isaiah chapter 29 verse 8 the scripture says it shall even be as when a hungry man dreams and look he eats but he wakes and his soul is still empty or when a thirsty man dreams and look he drinks but when he awakes and indeed he is faint and his soul still craves. So here our Lord is showing us that people who are hungry would go to bed at night hungry. They actually dream about eating. And when they wake up, they're still hungry because that was just a dream. And people who go to bed at night thirsty, they actually dream about drinking. But when they wake up, they're still thirsty because that was just a dream. So what that is actually telling us is that whatever preoccupies us in our lives at that time we will dream about at night. So that is why quite often when people are going through um, a, you know, a, a period of um, encountering a lot of um, 
I don't know, suffering in their lives and things are just going wrong or, you know, things are going wrong at work for argument's sake or in the family, when they go to bed at night, they will dream about that because they're preoccupied about that issue throughout the day. And so that forms part of their dream. That's just the way that their, their brains are wired to deal with the issues. And so they will continue to dream about whatever preoccupies us in our lives when we, while we're awake, we can be assured quite often that we will dream about as well. In different forms, nevertheless, those dreams will still be dreams that will be generated by ourselves because this is what we think about and we're preoccupied about these issues. And so when we go to sleep at night, we continue to dream about those issues. And so that's, again, just God explaining to us just how natural dreams actually do work. Um, and let's have a look at another scripture. Again, the Lord just showing us that we do generate our own dreams, purely because of what we're preoccupied about and also if we lead very active lifestyles. Jeremiah 29 verse 8, the scripture says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed. And so it's quite possible for believers to cause their own dreams to be dreamed. And the scripture says that. Nor listen to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed. And so... <clears throat> We can, uh, you know, Christians even you may be seeking God's counsel on, on, an, on an issue can become so preoccupied about that they actually dream about it. Um, and that's not God's given, not God, that's not God giving them a dream about the, their situation. That's them causing their dream to be dreamed. And God says, don't listen to those dreams because it's just your brain doing what it knows to do. Um, but it's not God speaking to us. So we need to be very careful on the issue um, because, again, as I say uh, at the outset of this teaching, dreams from the Lord are not frequent. They are very infrequent. I know you get people that go around and they just dream all the time and they tell, they you know, are always dreaming things up. <laughs> That's kind of a good way of putting it. They do dream things up. But our Lord says to us, He says, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Because people dream their own dreams. So they get up and say, I have dreamt, you know, God wants us to do this and God wants us to do that. And very often, it's not God at all, it's just the individual dreaming their own dreams. And so we need to be weary on the issue. Now, there is also the other aspect, because um, we, in that passage of Scripture, our Lord does warn us. He says, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. And so here he's talking about false prophets and, and diviners, because you know, in the church there are no such thing as diviners. And so these are people who you know, really espouse dreams, and they, they write books about dreams. And you know, you, if you dream about this issue, they've got a... Uh, a chapter in the book that deals about it and you can go read up, okay, that's what I actually, that's what that means and when I dreamt about that color, well that meant that, and when I dreamt about that number, well that meant that, and that's not scriptural, that's not the, the, the Bible, and that's certainly not the New Testament, and so we're not to go down that road because that's not God and we'll see, when we look at scriptural accounts of, of dreams uh, under the New Covenant, um, just how simple the dreams are. But there is another aspect, because dreams, okay, we have this, when we have a, a, a dream from the Lord, um, and now I'm talking about a legitimate dream from God, we've said that what happens is God allows us with our spirits to see into the spirit realm, while our physical eyes are shut, obviously. Now, just as God allows us to see into the spirit realm, so it is that Satan can also uh, influence our dreams. Again, let's go back to visions. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, you know, guys, Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. Now, why would Satan do that? He would do that to appear to an individual as an angel of light and give him counsel. Um, and that's a vision from Satan. And it, Paul said, he, Satan can do that. You know, that's not a hard thing for him to do. 
So Satan can um, give individuals visions, and they will see these visions. And you, 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 um, two major religions, basically, um, off the top of my head, that have started came about purely through that avenue. Um, Satan appeared to Muhammad and appeared, I think, as the angel Gabriel. I think that's the, the law, the folklore that they have. And so that was Satan appearing as an angel of light, and that whole religion started from that. And then I think it's the Mormons that have uh, Joseph Smith, I think his name was. He also had this angel of light appear to him, and that whole religion started out of that. And so Satan definitely does do that. Now, just as Satan can appear to an individual in a vision, so it is that Satan can appear to an individual in a dream. And that does happen. And so we need to be uh, aware of that. Let's just have a look at the scripture along that line. In Job chapter 4, verse 12 to 21, the scripture says, now this is Eliphaz, I think his name is. This is one of Job's counselors. They came, there were three of them. They came, there were actually the four. The fourth one was the younger one. And he, he gave sound counsel, but the first three didn't. And Eliphaz was one of them. And he gave incorrect counsel to God. In fact, at the end of the, uh, Job's ordeal, God appears to them and says, you guys have darkened counsel, and you need to go get Job to uh, pray for you that I will forgive you, uh, because you guys have just basically spoken a whole lot of rubbish by and large. My paraphrase. But anyway. Um, so here, all Eliphaz is giving Job his account of dreams that he has had, a dream that he's had. And he is deceived into thinking this dream is from God. And it's not. It's from the devil. Let's have a look at it. Scripture said, Now a word was secretly brought to me, as Eliphaz recounting his dream, and my ear received a whisper of it, in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still. But I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. It was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before the moth. They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? They die even without wisdom. Now, Eliphaz thought that there was God. Uh, had appeared to him in his dream. And so he's recounting that to Job because, you know, I've had this dream, Job, and, you know, it's very powerful, and so I want you to know how God actually views us. And that's not how God views us by his saints at all. It's rubbish. Um, and so it was a demon that had appeared to Eliphaz in his dream. And Eliphaz was so, you know, missing it from, that he thought God was appearing to him. And so he was relating to ego. Obviously, Job wasn't the only one who, get, who got to hear about this dream. But the point that I wanted to make here is that that was Satan appearing. No, it wasn't Satan himself. It was obviously one of his angels, um, because the scripture says, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. And then the voice spoke. And so very, it's very possible for Satan to accommodate us if we seek after dreams. And that's also something that we need to be weary about. Um, visions and dreams are given to us as the Lord wills. Just like prophecies are given to us as the Lord wills. We can't go around and prophesy to everybody, thus saith the Lord. It is only as the Spirit of the Lord moves upon us that we can do these things. We can only operate in the gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit wills. It's not up to us. We don't do it. We're his vessel and we're available to him, but he chooses if and when he wants to do these things. And so when a Christian seeks after visions, well, then what they're doing is they're opening the door for Satan to accommodate them, and he will. 
he can transform himself into an angel of light. And not only him, but all of his demons can do the same thing. And so they can transform themselves into angels of light, and they can then deceive the believer who seeks after that. Now, in, in exactly the same manner, believers that seek after dreams will be accommodated by the enemy. And so, because it is unscriptural for New Testament believers specifically to seek after dreams. Dreams come from the Lord, visions come from the Lord, if and when He chooses to give it to us. We don't seek them. He gives them to us. And so, <clears throat> in this instance over here, Satan had appeared to Eliphaz. Eliphaz was deceived into thinking it was God. It wasn't God. And it, had, it darkened his counsel. Because, you know, he, he really, um, his, his view about how God views his angels, um, you know, he says that he charges his angels with error. Well, that's not true. God doesn't charge Michael and Gabriel with error. God charges Satan and his angels with error, and that's Satan's understanding, and that's why Satan can put that across. But God's angels, they then get charged by God with error. And um, God doesn't you know, send his saints, they die even without wisdom. That's not God, okay, because his saints go to be with him. So again, it's just you, Christians who avail themselves to being led by these methods, uh, open themselves up to be getting some weird stuff spoken to them. And because it's supernatural, because this was a supernatural encounter that Eliphaz had. Um, and there was a demon that definitely, he didn't know it was a demon, but it was a demon that appeared to him and spoke to him audibly in his spirit. He heard that. Um, and so it, it, it is a very... Um, profound encounter for the individual to encounter the supernatural and it can distort the person's views about things because they think well this God spoke to me so you know, this must be true but it's not true God didn't speak Satan did and so we just need to be careful on the issue now under the new covenant things have changed very dramatically under the old covenant we see dreams quite a lot we see dreams mentioned on, on numerous occasions and very often the dreams that are mentioned are, you know, there's just so much symbolism in those dreams. Think about Joseph's dreams. Uh, he sees his sheath standing in the field and the other sheaths bowing down before him. Uh, he sees the, the, the 11 stars and the sun and the moon uh, bowing down before him. Now, all of those dreams we can interpret, can see, okay, what well, that's what God was saying. But nevertheless, there's a lot of symbolism in the dreams under the Old Covenant. Under the New Covenant, things change dramatically. And let's have a look at the scripture, our Lord speaking to us about the issue, about the way He is going to interact with His saints under the New Covenant. And we need to bear this in mind, because God is more real to us under the New Covenant. We are in, in the family of God. Uh, we, our Lord calls us His, his friends. And he says, the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but you, a friend does. And so he says, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. And so we're meant to have a very open relationship with the Lord. And because our relationship with God is that close and that open, well, now the, 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 the communication between the two is pretty plain. And so let's have a look what the Lord said about the issue. John chapter 16, verse 25. Uh, our Lord speaking. He says, These things I have spoken to you in figurative lang language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Now that time that our Lord was speaking about is now. We're in a, a time when our Lord speaks plainly to us about the Father. And so, the, the communication that we have with our Lord Jesus is not figurative anymore. It is now plain. When He speaks to us, and we'll look at accounts, um, it's very easy for us to understand exactly what He's saying to us, and we in turn obviously speak very plainly to the Lord. And so that's the dispensation that we're under now. And I needed to say that from the point of view of the dreams that we have, because, as I say, when we have our natural dreams, they are weird. I mean, there's just such weird things that come out. 
And the temptation is to think, okay, God's speaking to me in this, and I need to now try and interpret what God is saying to me. But that's not God, because under the new covenant, the dispensation that we're under now, God speaks very plainly to us through His Word, through the, the preaching of the Word of God, and through Him speaking directly into our lives, through whatever way He wants to speak into our lives, whether it be through prophecy, um, whether it be um, through dreams and visions. Think about Agabus's prophecy. He takes Paul's belt, he binds his hand, own hands, he says, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns his belt. Not a difficult dream to interpret, um, sorry, not a difficult prophetic word to interpret. Everybody understood what Agabus was saying. They misinterpreted God's intention, and, and Paul and Agabus got it right. I've dealt with that. But the point is, is that you know when Agabus delivered the prophecy to Paul, everybody didn't sit there and think, well, you know, what is Agabus actually trying to say to us? What what is what what was God trying to say in this? Can anybody work out what he was trying to say? Not at all. Um, very plain to understand exactly what God was saying. And so that's how God deals with us under the new covenant. Now, we're going to look at two accounts of dreams uh, in the New Testament. If you go through the New Testament, I'm talking about the, the church now, because we do have, in the Gospels, we have accounts of dreams. We, Joseph had more than one dream given to him by the Lord, and the Lord gave him guidance. Go down to Egypt, go back to uh, Israel. Um, even Pilate's wife, she has a dream when Pilate is busy judging our Lord. And so, you know, dreams are mentioned in the Gospels. But after the Lord is raised from the dead, dreams are never mentioned again. We don't, there's no one account in Scripture that talks about dreams, except when Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and he says, this is what Joel spoke about, and he says, your old men shall dream dreams. That's the only time. After that, dreams are not mentioned again in the New Testament. And so it seems that dreams are done away with. But we know they're not because of uh, Joel's prophecy, and we're living in that age. And so the reason that the scripture is silent on the, on the word dreams from our Lord's resurrection onwards is because of this fact, that a dream is on the same level as a spiritual vision. And what the Holy Spirit is wanting to show us through his wording about dreams, is that a dream is in fact a spiritual vision. And you say, where do you get that from? Well, let's have a look at two accounts of dreams in the New Testament now, uh, in the church, uh, in the book of Acts, and we can understand why it is that there's no mention of dreams, because of the way that the Holy Spirit um, explains to us what a dream is. And the first one we'll pick up is in Acts chapter 16, verse 9 and 10. The scripture says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here we go. Here's a, a, a vision that Paul has when? In the night. Now. In all of the visions that are recorded in Scripture in the book of Acts, there's no vision that's recorded, and the Bible doesn't ever say, and a vision appeared to Paul in the day, and a vision appeared to Peter in the day. But when a vision appears at night, the Scripture highlights that for us. The Holy Spirit highlights that truth, that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now, why does the Holy Spirit tell us? Why do we need to know what time of the day the vision was? It, it, it had no impact on us at all. You know, okay, so Paul had a vision at 9 o'clock in, in the morning, or Paul had a vision at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, or Paul had a vision at midnight. Why do we need to know the time? The reason that the Holy Spirit highlights to us that Paul had this vision in the night is because the Holy Spirit is just trying to show us Paul actually had a dream. And that, the Holy Spirit called it a vision in the night. And again, when in verse 10, he said, now after he had seen the vision, we concluded. And so 
it, it, the Holy Spirit just showing us that a dream from the Lord is in fact on the same level as a spiritual vision. It is in fact a vision given to us by the Lord. It's just a vision that is given while our physical senses. It's not a trance, but it's similar to a trance, I suppose you can put it down that way, because when it, one falls into a trance, their physical senses are suspended. But when one falls into a trance, their eyes are open. When one dreams, their eyes are closed. And so that's the difference there. But that's the point that I wanted to raise. And so we, in Scripture, in the, in the book of Acts, there are in fact two twice where Paul has a vision in the night. The Holy Spirit is very clear to us when Paul had the vision. And so all that the Holy Spirit is showing us when he tells us that this vision occurred in the night is he's saying to us, Paul actually had a dream. And so again, look at that dream that Paul has. He has a dream and he sees a man in Macedonia standing and pleading with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, in context, what has happened? Paul and his team are looking to be led of the Lord as to where it is God wants them to go preach the gospel. And so if you go read the account, they try to go into Asia, and the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go there. They try to go into Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go there. And so they're seeking after God to find out, God, just where do you want us to go? And God answers through a dream that he gives to the Apostle Paul. And the dream is very simple. Paul sees a, a man from Macedonia. Obviously, in his dream, he recognizes the man is from Macedonia. And the guy says to him, well, he, the reason he knows he's from Macedonia, because the guy says, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he wakes up in the morning and says, guys, I had this dream. Now, Paul is not thinking, should we go to Macedonia? If you look at where they were physically at the time and where Macedonia was, it was a long way away from where they were physically. So, and they were looking in the general area that they were in. God, do you want us to go preach here? No. Do you want us to preach there? No. So Macedonia was not something that was on Paul's mind. And so that's what God does. He, he, he puts the spiritual vision in front of Paul, and it is very clear for everybody. Because when Paul relates his dream, they all said, concluding that the Lord had called us to go preach the gospel to them. Let's pack up. Let's go to Macedonia. So that's the council. And that's the dream. Simple as you can get. No, no amount of interpretation required. No books having to be consulted. No, and again, let me just make this comment. God has not raised up Joseph's in the church. So Joseph had understanding of dreams, and, but there's no such uh, ministry gift given to the church. There's no such spiritual gift given to the church where one interprets dreams. And so, again, everybody interpreted the dream, and we can even uh, look at it and say, oh, Paul, you got that? I mean, how simple can it be? That's what God wants you to do. Let's look at another dream that Paul had. Um, and sorry, I, I mentioned that in all of the, in Paul's visions, he saw the Lord. In this case, he didn't. He just sees the man from Macedonia. So that's one account where he didn't. But in this account, he does. Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10. The scripture says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Again, same language. Holy Spirit just telling us, here's a dream. Because again, we have no, there's no need for us to know when the vision appeared, during the day or during the night. Um, but because it happened at night, the Holy Spirit is wanting us to know that because the Holy Spirit wants us to know this in fact was a dream. And the Lord appears to Paul in, in his dream, in the night by a vision. And the Lord speaks to him and says, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Again, that's as simple as you can get. Our Lord just tells Paul, he gives him word of wisdom, and he gives him word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. Um, do not be afraid, but speak, and don't keep silent. That's the Lord's counsel, that's what he must do. That's word of wisdom, I suppose. For I am with you, and no one will take you to hurt you, for I have many people in the city. So there's a word of knowledge. The Lord reveals to Paul that he's got many people. Paul was in the city of Corinth at the time. He had just started to preach the gospel there. And so the Lord now encourages him in that city. And he said, because, you know, Paul took a lot of strain in his ministry. I mean, wherever he went, um, Satan, that angel that was sent to buffet him, really stood up the crowns against Paul wherever he went. 
So in Corinth, you know, he starts to preach the gospel and he needs some encouragement because pretty much he's on his own. He was on his own to start off because uh, his ministry team hadn't been left behind. And so the Lord appears to him and just, you know, encourages him. But gives him a word of knowledge. He said, Paul, I've got a lot of people in this city. So, you know, that's something Paul couldn't have known naturally because he hadn't even started really to preach the gospel yet. But the Lord knew who was going to be saved in that city, so the Lord could make that comment to him. And then the Lord encourages him. He says, no one's going to attack you in the city because I've got a lot of people here. And so that's just a, a one way we can understand how things work in uh, with the church. In um, nations and cities where there are a lot of Christians, there's not a lot of persecution against the church. But in nations and cities where there's not a lot of Christians, there is quite often a lot of persecution against the church. And so, there our Lord appears to Paul and just encourages him and gives him a very plain word for him to understand. Paul wakes up in the morning, he's all ready to go and preach the gospel. The Lord's encouraged him, the Lord's admonished him to go ahead and preach, not to be fearful. He's not going to get stoned in the city, he's not going to get beaten up in the city. He can uh, go out and just preach the gospel. And so he goes out and does that. And so, those are the only two examples given to us in the New Testament of dreams. And both of them are very simple um, and easy to understand. So again, as I said, under the New Covenant, our dreams are simple. They're not complicated. Now, I know that the, the sheet was let down by um, that Peter saw in that vision, in their trance. There was some symbolism there. But it was understood very quickly by the Apostle Peter as events unfolded straight after that vision. Um, I know he was thinking about the vision. What is the Lord saying to me? But... As things unfolded after that, he very quickly understood. And then we get the only other one is obviously the vision that the Apostle John has, the book of Revelation. Now there's a whole lot of symbolism in that vision. Um, but that is a vision that relates to the end times. And uh, a lot of it, John and Paul and all of them could not have understood. Because we, in hindsight, see a lot of it coming to fulfillment. They had not seen that yet. And so they... Anyway, so those are the only two accounts. So our dreams are simple under the New Covenant. I want to just relate, um, because I went through a season where the Lord did give me a number of dreams. I had gotten out of fellowship with the Lord, I come back into fellowship with the Lord and started to prepare for ministry again, and the Lord took me through a number of dreams in preparation for that. And this is one of the dreams I had. Um, I was in an auditorium, standing at the back of the auditorium, listening to a prophet of the Lord or a teacher of the, of the gospel uh, preaching the gospel. Now he came up onto the podium and he started to speak on his subject. I don't know who it was, I don't know what his subject was. I was just standing at the back of the auditorium listening to him. I was aware of the Lord Jesus coming up and standing next to me, alongside of me. And when he did, I turned to him. Now, I didn't see the, uh, in my dream, I have no recollection of what the Lord looked like. I just know that I knew he had came and stood alongside me as we were listening to this teacher of the, of the Bible. And when I turned to him, I made this comment to him. I said, Lord, I'm going to have to judge what this man says based on what is written in your word. Um, and the Lord made no comment to me. But then... Straight after I said that, I then made this comment. And when I made this comment, I, mean, I, don't know, I suppose you can't say in the natural, but I was, I was pretty taken back with what I said to the Lord, because now I'm speaking to Jesus. And I said to him, Lord, even if you were to teach me something that was contrary to your word, I would have to challenge you on that. And as I say, when I said that to the Lord, I was kind of shocked with what I'd said. Again, the Lord made no comment, just looked at me. And then, this is now where things changed a bit, because I now burst into tears. And now I said to the Lord, I said, Because, Lord, if we do not, as your saints, have your written word to guide us, then we have nothing and we are completely vulnerable. And I said that in tears. And again, the Lord said nothing to me. He just looked at me. But the moment I said that, 
the power of God came all over me. I was really just drenched in the power of God. And I've been in, under the power anointing on many, many, many occasions. I know it very well. And I woke up in bed, drenched in the power of God, all over my body. And I woke up in tears. And I straight away obviously recognized that I just had a dream from the Lord. And I was then thankful to him about what he had shown me. Now again, that dream was very, very simple and straightforward. And that is that we have to be grounded in the Word of God. Because take the Word of God away from the saint, and they actually don't have anything to, 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 to guide them. Because there is such a lot out there, in, especially in today's world, that can deceive the saint if they are not grounded in the written Word of God. Now, we have the Spirit of God, and He leads us and guides us into all truth. But the Spirit of God and the Word of God are always in complete unison, in sync. They're never at odds with one another. And so the Holy Spirit would never um, lead us against anything against His written Word. And so that is why Christians under the New Covenant need to be so grounded in the written Word of God. And so all the Lord was showing me in that dream is that it matters not who's preaching from the pulpit. You know, you, you get great men of God who preach, and some of them get stuff wrong. And we must not be deluded into thinking just because the person is preaching, well, they, they must know what they're talking about. No, if, they, if they're getting it wrong, they're getting it wrong. And we need to be grounded as believers, especially as we get more mature in the Lord, as to what God's Word says on the subject. And so if the mature preacher is preaching error, well then, you know, we don't buy it and say, okay, well, because he's a mature preacher, he must know what he's talking about. If you've got it wrong, you got it wrong. We just kind of ignore that and move on. And so, again, even as I said in my dream to the Lord, Lord, even if you were to say something to me that was contrary to your written word, I would have to challenge you on the issue. And God wasn't angry with me because the power of God fell upon me when I said that. Um, and so, again, it was a very simple dream. And it, it, it was very obviously pertinent to me at that time because I was prepared to go back into ministry. And so the Lord was just showing me, Mike, you need to be very grounded in my work going into the ministry because um, you're going to be held accountable for what you teach the church. And so that's, you know, and God spoke to me very powerfully through that dream. And that's just what, I, as I said, I went through a season of dreams. I had a num number of dreams from the Lord that were all very vivid, they were all very... Um, they spoke into my life and obviously the dreams that are that particular dream and others that I've had are, are pertinent for the whole body of Christ. It's not just Micah that has to be grounded in the Word of God. All of us must be grounded in the New Testament, specifically the Word of God. And that's as far as I'm going to go with regards to how the Lord leads us with regards to dreams. He does lead us through dreams. They're infrequent. They're simple. Um, and we're not to seek after dreams. God will give us dreams if and when He chooses. And as I say, those dreams will be very simple and they will guide us um, and give us guidance in those areas. And the teaching on that book today. Amen.